one of the things I was thinking about, share a little bit about today, is that this wonderful salvation that God has given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not one of us that is deserving of the salvation that he has given to us. All of us are sinners, and we deserve to be destroyed forever. And how wonderful it is that through the Lord Jesus Christ, he has given to us salvation, that all those of us who are truly saved, that our sins are forgiven, Christ had paid for them all, and we just stand there in open mouth awe that God would give us such a wonderful gift of salvation. And we know that we're living in a day in which we have never lived before, never lived before now that the day of salvation is over, the door to heaven is closed. Never before have we lived in have we lived in this time. Like in um, the days of Noah, when the ark, the door to the ark was closed, uh, all the people that was outside the ark, they perished in the flood of that day, but the world continued on for another 7,000 plus years, and we're, the world is still here. But never before have we lived in a time where this wonderful salvation that God has given to us through Christ is no longer possible for those who are not truly saved. It's a sad time in which we live because all of us have unsaved loved ones who are not saved. And it's a time of great joy for the believers that we're very near the end of the completion of our salvation. But for those who are not saved, it's a great sorrow in the heart of the true believers. It's a great sorrow. But God has commanded us to feed sheep. And we know that whatever God does... It's absolutely perfect. God never makes a mistake. He's incapable of making a mistake. But we know that all things are working out to the praise and glory of God. So we don't have to be worried about that. The sad part of it is the door to heaven is closed and no one else is getting in. But the world continues on. And we're living in the time where... The world is supposedly celebrating the birth of Christ. And you can't help but think that that door is closed. It's closed forever. And we weep. But we know that uh, the day comes when all this will be forgotten in a new heaven and a new earth. And this world will be forgotten. But we trust that whatever God has done is absolutely perfect. Even in that day of Noah's day, when he closed the door to the ark. Many people don't have a problem with that. The door was closed, and there were tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who perished in the flood. People today don't have a problem with that. When we start speaking about today that the door to heaven is closed today, oh, people, how can that be? He closed the door of the ark of that day. He closed it. Remember when Noah went in the ark? God tells us that God shut the door. And we say here many times that there were babies born during that time. The baby, there were, he didn't spare the lives of babies and pregnant mothers, and they all perished in the flood of that day. Why should we be any different? We're no different than the people of that day. People are people. But yet, they perished. God destroyed them all. And we know that God only has chosen a tiny remnant to salvation. That the high 90 percentile of people in this world are not saved. They're going to be destroyed on that day. There's always been a tiny remnant. Always. 
throughout time, there's always been a tiny remnant of people who are truly saved. A very small remnant, except for God's mercy. He has saved them. I want to look at that today. And when you read the, the, the Old Testament, when you spend a little bit of time in the Old Testament, how God speaks about Christ the Messiah. But everywhere you look in the Bible, from Genesis all the way through, you should see Christ there. Christ, how he speaks about this coming Messiah. And many people in the religions today in our world are still waiting for the Messiah to be born or whatever they believe that he is not here yet. But he is here. He, has, he was born into this world. Christ, the God-man, he came and he demonstrated what he did from the foundation of the world. And many people are arguing with the fact that Christ didn't die from the foundation of the world. And he did. He paid for our sins from the foundation of the world. And as we learned recently that when he was on the cross, it was a demonstration of what he already had done. But the Old Testament uh, speak about it. He's, God sets up types and figures of Christ the Messiah. We know that Moses was a type of Christ and David was a type of Christ. And all these things he set up to teach us about this coming Messiah. But when you go over to Deuteronomy chapter 18, and many, 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 many places in the Bible... And when you read through the Psalms, the Messianic Psalms, you see Christ through it and how he would go to the cross and pay for the sins of his people and he would, he would then rise again from the, all these things, you see it. And God speaks about it very, in every chapter, in every book in the Bible, God speaks about it. In a, a very familiar verse is in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, here God is speaking about, God is gonna raise up a prophet like unto Moses. He says, Jehovah thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. See, he's speaking about the Messiah. Like unto me, which I believe is Christ. Now God, like unto him. He says, according to all that thou desirest of Jehovah thy God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, let me not hear again the voice of Jehovah thy God, neither... Let me see this great fire any more that I die not. And Jehovah said unto me, They have well spoken that thou, uh, that which they have spoken. And here in verse 18, And I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and, I, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I have commanded him. And it shall come to pass, that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. So those who won't listen to Christ the Messiah, when God Christ is going to God's going to raise one up like unto him, he will be destroyed. God will destroy that person. You see, so God is telling us these things, and um, you see the same. He quotes this. In the, in the book of Acts. If you go over to Acts chapter 3 is a quotation from Deuteronomy chapter 18. He quotes it and gives us a little bit more information about that the Christ who he would raise up in um, Acts chapter 3 verse 18. Verse 18 in Acts chapter 3. There we read, But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets. See, when you read of all his prophets, this 
this God quotes us a lot throughout the Bible. He's always going back to the Old Testament, what the prophets have said. It's a fulfillment of what was already spoken in the Old Testament. It says, which all the prophets, that Christ should suffer. He has so fulfilled. All this was prophesied by the prophets, the Old Testament prophets in the Bible, that Christ would suffer, that the upcoming Messiah, and what he would go through. And it goes on, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing from refresh shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets. You see this quotation to the New Testament all the time. See, God already has spoken it since the world began about this coming Messiah and what he would do and the salvation that that would be provided through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on in verse 22, for verse 22 of Acts chapter 3, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall he hear in all things, and whosoever uh, he shall say, whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet, which is Christ, shall be destroyed from among the people. See, God already had predicted it, that he would raise up Christ and how he would go to the cross. And when you read through like Psalm 22 and all these Old Testament passages that clearly speak about the salvation that would have, that would come through the Lord Jesus Christ. And now that we're living in a day which is, is no longer available. This wonderful salvation that God wrote about extensively throughout the Old Testament. You can't miss it. And he used all kind of writings to describe the coming Messiah. And here he came. And there are many who say, oh, it didn't happen. We're still waiting for Christ. I remember one day I was speaking to this guy who was a Muslim and couldn't see for dust. He said this was pertaining to, I forget who he said this, all these scriptures are pertaining to, but it wasn't Christ. And I couldn't see it, can't see it. Because he has a different gospel. They don't believe that Christ is Almighty God. They don't see that. And how sad that, but here that Christ, the Old Testament spoke about this prophet that would come which is Christ, and the salvation that would that would come after. Um, another passage here too is in First Peter. There's many other passages we could look, we could turn to. I think it's First uh, Peter chapter one, I believe. Let's start reading verse seven. First Peter chapter one, verse seven. Here, God is going to speak. He's speaking about the trial of our faith, and we're living in that time which our faith has been tried. Those who claim to be a true believer, those who claim. All these that, and many people are failing the test. And we should know by now this is how God operates, that He tests us. He tries us to see whether your faith is real or not. And we're being tested right now that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. It being tried with fire might be. Might be is a very, a very important word. Might be. And those who are truly saved, they'll pass the test. But there are those who professes to be saved, which are not truly saved, they will fail the test. That although we might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And we know that Christ appeared when? May 21. 
did we see him? Did he, uh, did we thought he would be coming on the clouds of heaven? No. It is a spiritual thing. He came. And it says in verse, um, we know he appeared on May 21, and it goes on, whom having not seen, how can he appear and we didn't see him? Obviously, it wasn't a physical thing that we could see him with our physical eyes. Because it says at the end of that chapter, he says, and it says, he appeared, appearing of Christ, whom having not seen, although he appeared, we didn't see him with our physical eyes. It was a spiritual, uh, he came spiritually. He uh, not seen, he, he loved, we haven't seen him physically here, but we love him, in whom though now ye see him not, we didn't see him physically appear May 21, yet believing. Remember, faith is the substance of things not seen, so forth. It goes on. He rejoice. How we rejoice. We didn't see him come on May 21, but yet we rejoice. We rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And and receiving, let me go on down to verse 11. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Of which salvations the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. So the Old Testament prophets, they prophesy of the grace of Christ that would come unto us. And when you read the Bible carefully, you will see these things. And in verse 11, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them. The Spirit of Christ was in the Old Testament prophets, which was in them. It says, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So all these things was prophesied, was written about in the Old Testament of what Christ would go through. So you see, when you read the Old Testament scriptures and when you read the New they're quoting from the Old Testament prophets that these things were written, that this grace would come unto us, that Christ would, the gospel was going to go out in all the world and in all the, and we see, as we go on, you can see these verses that was Christ spoke about in the Old Testament that should, that when this Messiah come, what would happen? That the gospel was going to go out in all the world and, 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 and many would going to become saved and you saw the church age begin and now we're living in a time when the church age now is ended, and this wonderful salvation is no longer possible for those who are who are in the world today. That the door is closed. How could it be that we're living in a day when salvation is no longer possible? You know, it's but we are living in that time where the door to heaven now is closed. This wonderful salvation that God has written about so extensively in the Bible is no longer possible, and that's the day in which we're living. Uh, let's go on a little bit further. And even when you go back to the book of Genesis, right there in the beginning, God started talking about the salvation that which, which He has provided and, and the coming of Christ. Remember when Adam and Eve first sinned? Immediately, in, I think it's in Genesis three twenty one or some somewhere around there, where God immediately covered them with um, coats of skin. That means. A death had to occur, blood had to be shed. It was pointing to the fact to Christ that He would give His life because you know when Christ said He gave His shed His blood, and all this was already done before the foundation of the world. 
and now God is writing about it, that right there in that Adam and Eve, how he clothed them with, with coats of skin, blood had to be shed, and uh, pointing to the fact that we have to have our sin covered by Christ. So salvation was written about throughout the whole Bible, as as right from the beginning. And if you go through Genesis and look at it, you'll see Christ. Everywhere you look in the Old Testament, you see how Christ, God spends so much time speaking about Christ, the coming Messiah. And now that is the salvation is no longer possible. If you look at um, Psalm chapter 40, and you could just read through the Psalms, and you can see, and I mean, I can't even begin to scratch the surface of, of, of all these verses. There's so much verse, verses that God speaks about it. And just pick out a couple of Psalms to speak about it. You could pick any psalm, to be honest with you, and you could see Christ in it. Psalm chapter 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for Jehovah, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me out of a horrible pit. Isn't that talking about David? No. I don't remember David being in a pit literally, but it's Christ. God brought him out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear, and shall trust in Jehovah. The true believers will see it, because he's given them eyes to see, and they will put their trust in Jehovah. Blessed is the man that maketh Jehovah his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Jehovah, my God, are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done, and thy thoughts, which are to us word, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than I, more than can be numbered. Sacrifices and offering uh, didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings thou hast not required. Then lo, I said, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me which is Christ. I delight to do thy will, O God. Christ delighted to do the Father's will. Yea, my law, thy law is within my heart, which is Christ. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Jehovah, thou knowest. And it goes on to speaks about Christ. And many, many psalms like that you read in that look at... um. Psalm 45, you see the same thing. I'm just showing some scriptures to see how wonderful the salvation is and it's no longer possible. It's no longer possible that someone today who is not saved can cry out to God for mercy. They, God will not hear their cry because the door to heaven is, set, it, it is, is closed. Uh, chapter 45, verse 1. My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue, and speaks about Christ, is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips, which is Christ. Therefore, God has blessed thee forever. And God just goes on and on and on. And verse 6, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of thy kingdom is a, is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And that's Christ, who he has anointed 
in in that way and and then when you start to read about the passover in the in the bible it's pointing to christ christ was crucified in the passover all that is pointing to christ himself um let's look at exodus chapter 12 exodus chapter 12 verse 1 there's so many verses you could look at in the bible how god speaks about christ the messiah and 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 all it says in exodus chapter 12 verse 1 you remember plagues on Egypt. And one of the things they had to do was the Passover when it was instituted. The Passover was instituted. They had to do they had to that was after the and they had to kill the lamb and the blood had to be posted o- over the door and so forth. It says this is a picture of Christ himself. If our sins are not covered by the blood of Christ, we will perish. In verse one, and Jehovah spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying this month, he's going to be very specific about the month and the day and the time of day that this feast should happen. God is very specific about that. This month shall be, un- be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye un- unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count of the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. And you know who's that? It's Christ. A male of the first year. See how specific God is. He shall take it out of the sheep or from the goats, and he shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. It's very specific when they should kill this lamb, and they shall take up the blood and strike it on the two side posts of the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, this is that eat it at night, and roasted with fire, and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roasted with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And he shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth until the morning he shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. See, God is the one who has instituted the Passover. We see God is very specific about it. And verse 12 says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. It's interesting that Christ was crucified on the Passover. And there's a possibility that Christ may return on that day, Lord willing, next year on a Passover. See, it's a time of judgment. See, what's going to happen to the children of Israel on that day when he passed through the land of Egypt? Judgment. All the firstborn of Egypt would perish. And here, Passover is a time of judgment. And it's possible that Christ could return on that day to Passover. Judgment. You see, and it says, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. 
and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am Jehovah. So it, it seemed like it quite could be possible that Christ could return on that day. It's a time of judgment. And in verse 13 he says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. See, here it could be that October 7th could be that day and those who are under the blood, so to speak, judgment day, they will be spared, but those who are not would be destroyed. It could very well be that that day could be that day because you see that the Passover points to judgment. That day what happened to the Egyptians in the land of Egypt and and uh, the children of Israel being a type of true, true believers, they were spared because they were covered by the blood that was on the, was on the doorpost. Uh, let's go on a little bit further. And you could read about this too, and I think it's in Numbers 9. God wrote, wrote about it. And let's look at, go over to Matthew chapter 12. If you read through Matthew chapter 12, remember I said earlier that God always quote from the Old Testament, he says, which was spoken by the prophets. For instance, if you see in verse um, verse 14, let's go up to verse 14 of Matthew 12. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him, which is Christ. The one who was to destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah, which is Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He will not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break. And a smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment unto victory. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. So he's quoting from, I think he's quoting from um, Isaiah 11, the scripture is from. So you see that God, he writes extensively about this coming Messiah and the salvation that he would provide for us. And now we're living in a day which the salvation is no longer possible. Never before have we been in this situation where God is no longer saving people. It's a very serious thing. And I said earlier, though we, the true believers, we rejoice knowing that our salvation is almost at its completion, but then yet on the other hand, we weep, we mourn for our loved ones, but we know that God's purpose will, will be done. Sad time for us. There is no joy in we telling people that the door to salvation is closed. There is no joy in that. But it must be said. It must be proclaimed. We can't stop. How can we be silent? God instructed us to prophesy again these things. To tell the world. Although they will not listen. But there are true believers out there that need to hear this information also. And uh, God is in charge of, of, all this, of all this. Let's look at another passage. In John chapter 19. Start reading in verse 30. Christ's crucifixion, 
you read the chapter, his crucifixion, which we know we know that it was a demonstration that was going on. He suffered, but he wasn't paying for our sins. He already had done it from the foundation of the world. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers, which, which with a spear, pierced his side, and forthwith came, came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true, that he knoweth that he, he said, uh, that he said true, that he might believe. For these things were done, that the scriptures should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture says, see, it's always quoting the Bible. God's word, you know, must be fulfilled in every jot and every little detail of it must be fulfilled. And again, another scripture said, they shall look upon him whom they pierced. All these things have been now accomplished by God. Either Christ had to go to the cross, he did light in going, and here God is telling us these things has already been done. And it's sad that those who are still waiting for the coming Messiah, they don't realize that it had already been done. But after Christ went to the cross, the gospel went out. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42. It says, Behold my servant, He's speaking about Christ, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth which is speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. It talks about the bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. And you, you read on the whole thing there. Talk about Christ, what he would go through when, when, when he came. And if you look at Isaiah chapter 35, turn over to Isaiah chapter 35. You see here, once the gospel was going out, how God describes it is like a water in a desert. This world is a vast wilderness, wasteland. And here the gospel is going to go out when Christ came and says, the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. How can any of you ever go to a desert? It's a vast wasteland of nothing. Nothing grows there. No vegetation, nothing. And here God is saying that the desert is going to blossom as a rose. It's speaking about the world. As Christ came and the gospel would go forth, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy in singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of Jehovah and the excellency of our God. Strengthen he the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. 
Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He shall come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened spiritually. Remember, as Christ, as he performed his miracles when he came, we have to look for the spiritual significance of it. When we become saved, our spiritually, our eyes are opened to Christ and our ears are unstopped spiritually. And the deaf shall be, shall he unstopped. Verse six, then shall the layman leap as in heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break forth, break out. Is this world spiritually as the gospel was going out? And we know that up until May 21, the gospel went out. And now it's, it's, it's pinched off. Uh, for the wilderness shall waters break out and the streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty lands springs of water. In the habitation of dragons where each lay shall the grass with reeds uh, rushes. And a highway shall be there. You know, it's the highway, the way is Christ. And the highway shall be there and a way and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those and the wayfaring men, though a fool shall not err therein. And God goes on, you see. And now this is no longer possible. Salvation is closed. I'm trying to show that the gospel did go out. How wonderful this gospel is. As God sent it forth during the church age. And now it's no longer possible. For someone to become saved in our day. And it's a sad situation. That this world is in. And when you go read like Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 61, you see how God speaks about this coming Messiah and how wonderful this gospel is. And those of us who are truly saved, God has opened our eyes to it to see how beautiful and wonderful the salvation plan that God designed and is His doing and how He provided Christ for us. And, and now in this time of year, people are, are celebrating the birth of Christ and all these things. And God already had talked about this wonderful salvation. And now the door to heaven is closed. It's no longer possible that someone today can, can become saved. And when you turn over to like, um, in Luke, you know, we sing the hymn today, joy to the world, the Lord has come. It was a great joy. Uh, when he came, heaven reacted to the birth of Christ. It was a wonderful event. Uh, Luke, Luke chapter one, I believe it is. In Luke chapter 1, start reading at verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son, in verse 7 of Luke chapter 2, and wrapped him in a swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the, in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the, and the glory of Jehovah shone round about them. And there they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. It was a joyous event, you know, that, that happened, which shall be to all people. For unto you. Now, was Christ born unto to everybody? As for the true believers. Because they are the only one who has truly become truly saved. Although, the, the, you know, the whole world, the Bible is for the whole world, for everybody. But specifically to the true believers, because it says, For unto you, the true believers, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He is born specifically for 
the, for the true believers. Because they're the ones who have a, their sins paid for. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God. All this. Christ coming into the world and is, is to the glory of God. Remember in Ephesians, God tells us we're saved to the praise and glory of God. We're not saved because of something that we did or we're worthy of it or uh, um, this or um, that. No, we're saved to the praise and glory of God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. You see, and it came to pass as the shepherds were gone away from them in, into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even to Bethlehem to see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. So the Lord made known unto the, the shepherds this great event. And it's some time after Christ was born that they went to visit Mary. It didn't happen right away. You know, it was sometimes afterward when they visit the child. But it was a great event that happened. As we see, God, you know, he didn't just say he loved us, but he actually demonstrated it by Christ coming, Christ is the God-man and clothed himself with human flesh. And he actually came into the world, God himself, and went to, went to all this. You know, it's, it's a salvation that we can't even begin to, we, we read about it. He has saved the people for himself. But, you know, you study the Bible, but yet the love that he has bestowed upon us upon his people is beyond human comprehension to really we can't wrap our minds around it remember now you just you stop to think that god is from everlasting past how long is that everlasting past has no beginning and he says he's everlasting future which has no ending now can we fathom that we're creatures of time we know we know we know years months weeks and all these things but when you start speaking about God, we don't, we don't know. We can't comprehend it. How, how, you remember he says, even the heavens of heavens can't contain him. How awesome is he? We don't know. We don't know how powerful he is. I mean, he doesn't have a beginning. Eternity past doesn't have a beginning. Neither does it have an end. We can't fathom it. How could somebody speak and create this universe? Remember, the, you remember you read through the book of Job and you see all these questions. He, he asked Job about 60 questions. And one of the questions he asked Job was, where were you when I created the earth? He couldn't answer. We can't answer. Who are we? We're less than a worm that God would have bestowed his love upon any one of us. We, we can't fathom it. But he has done it. He has done it. He has to save the people for himself. And how wonderful the salvation is, and yet, and now we're living in a day which the salvation is no longer possible. No longer can somebody go to God. You, you hope that maybe God has saved this person before May 21 and came and went. You hope that God saved that person, but he probably didn't realize it. He or she didn't realize it yet. And you hope, you know, you hope that God had already saved that person, but we don't know. But we should continue to pray for our loved ones, especially ones who have heard these things, that God maybe had done a, 
But the closer you get to May, to October 7th, you begin to wonder. You begin to wonder, but it's none of our business. We should always pray for them. But now the salvation, this wonderful salvation that God has spoke about so extensively in the Old Testament, you'll spend many lifetimes looking at verses. Verses and verses and verses and verses. You look at David, he's a great type of Christ. You look at all these prophets and all these, the way he has written about the coming Messiah and salvation that would come throughout the whole Old Testament. You will spend a million lifetimes just looking at it and you'll never come to the, 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 the end of it. And you know, you wonder how, why did he spend so much time writing about it? How wonderful the salvation is. But he did do it. That's how, that's how wonderful it is that if God has saved you, everything is going your way. Everything is, don't worry about anything. We should be the most careful, carefree people on the earth because we know that God is in control. He is on the throne. He will never leave or forsake us, no matter how dark the day is, or no matter what we're going through. God is with us. It's a promise of God, doesn't it? He will never leave us or forsake us, right? And to true believers, we believe that. He'll, he'll remember, he said, he'll be our guide even unto death. He guides our path through this life. And we should just, just, just delay, leave it in his hands. Don't, don't. But us, us as humans, you know, we get rattled by things. <laughs> you know, but we shouldn't be. But this wonderful salvation that he has laid out within the pages of the Bible now has come to an end. The door to heaven is closed. Many don't want to hear it. But it is a fact that May 21 was Judgment Day, and we're, we never lived at this time before that the door is closed, and the door is closed, and we should... God is in charge. He is in control of all things. Now let's stop here and take a, a short break, and we'll be back again for another Bible study.